to Not Good Enough, an inadequate response to inadequate responses. I'm Mitch Alexander. I'm Tom McLean. I'm Tom Lang. And I'm Edie. And we've got Isaac in our headphones, fact-checking and just mucking in and having a bit of a weld with the book. Isaac, put your visor in! No! (laughs) (laughs) You know, that gave me so much nostalgia for Tony Abbott. Like... Just a truly dumb thing. Like, he really thought he was doing something. Okay, so Scott Morrison, our Prime Minister, did a little photo op where he went to, <laughs> I guess, a factory or something, and they and, and they gave him, like, a child. They gave him, he's like, hey, why don't you take the welding tools and have a go? <laughs> and he took off, while the welding was happening, he took off his welding mask, so he's just staring straight into the bright light. He's, I'm just going to lift up my welding mask to have a better look at the weld. Oof, that's a little bright. Three inches away from it. He gets his big, dumb, grinning, gronk face three inches away from it and just zap. And you can see, again, we talked about it before when he accidentally said, like, age care is in crisis. And he lets out this little whoop, and you can see this look on his face. There is a split second while his face is bathed in the radiant blue light of a welding torch where he's just like, oop, like, the it's- fucking moron. Now, you may have seen me remove my protective gear to look closely at a welding. <laughs> now, what I meant by that was. <laughs> look, the guy is such a professional. He carried on with the rest of the day's press conferencing, talking to journalists. He'd be like, uh, yes, question up the back. And they're like, Mr. Prime Minister, you're pointing at a tree there. He's just facing the wall for the rest of the day. <laughs> it's like Trump It's like Trump staring at the sun, except for yeah. self-awareness. I really think it sheds, uh, sheds some light. <laughs> I really think it, it, it sheds some light on his proposal to make kids, uh-huh. yep. you know, run forklifts. <laughs> like, just that sort of, like, approach of just, like, well, I mean, you don't need your uncle to jockey you a position at $100 million a year on this, yes. so clearly anyone can do it and it doesn't matter. Yeah. McLean, I actually think you have a serious point there. Like, I, I did see someone on Twitter um, say, like, they've just disre- – like, it shows how much they disrespect any sort of trade. They just think a child could yeah. do it. I also – want to just do a little shout out to that factory like a reverse shout out like a come on <laughs> which is if you know he's going to ignore the safety instructions can you put him on something a bit more hard <laughs> like a forklift yeah chuck him on a fucking forklift just like here's the <laughs> autoclave Scott remember don't get in it just poke this into the lathe a little bit <laughs> here's my take on it is the Prime Minister and everybody he hangs around do the most high paying important jobs in Australia and they suck at them and they don't know what they're doing and so they go oh wow we're just making this up as we go along and we're killing it everybody else <laughs> must be really dumb yeah oh donations transparency legislation that's not there for a reason that's just like a thing that some people have decided yeah. that we have to do let's just ignore that everything will be fine smash cut to the most corrupt australian government that we've seen <laughs> <laughs> you're not you're not meant to you're not meant to take donations like without a lot of uh oversight but i'm just gonna squint carefully while i do it <laughs> i just want to say that i know that like um Anthony Pratt and Vicey are like huge donors um, to the government and also the opposition. Like they, they usually donate quite a bit of money during the federal election. I'm just saying if, if Scott Morrison wants to visit a box factory, there's some box crushing machines they could hit, yeah. you know, have a good go at. <laughs> I want the first cubic prime minister, please. <laughs> I, just, I saw someone's take on it just being sort of like he – he at a certain point had to lift that visor up because without it, you wouldn't see his face. And so that's useless for a photo opportunity. <laughs> and in my mind, I, 
I am just wondering, like, is he just the dumbest cunt? Like, like very potentially, he might have just lifted up this visor, given it a bit of a weld and been like, oh, shit, fuck. This is just indicative of his prime ministership the entire time he's been in, is that he's more I concerned mean, yeah. with, like, the, you know, what the press see him doing and how he's holding himself and the photo op, as opposed to what he's supposed to be fucking concentrating on. Mm. So it's just a panicking man who is, like, so concerned because the press is all around him and everything like that. So, like I've been saying for a few weeks now, I think he's the stress is starting to get to him. So, this is why he agreed to go to the hairdresser. This is why he threw some bullshit out about kids on forklifts. He's just there and he's like, ha, ah, I got a photo shoot. Um, who's going to see me do And he's like, he's trying to pat his head and rub his belly. He's trying to do a photo shoot and weld. And so, he lifts it and he's like, no, oh, and then put it down and weld. And he just fucks up the timing and blows his fucking eyeballs apart. Like... <laughs> This was my hope. This is this is my hope. I don't wish permanent injury to Scott Morrison. Wink. What I hope is that <laughs> the winks of reference to the welding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is this is just this is just a pie in the sky hope. Big positivity corner. We've got some good news coming up. Is that he injures himself welding like this and needs to go to hospital, but all the private hospitals are clogged up with billionaires getting their adrenochrome injection, so he can't get in. <laughs> so he has to go to a public hospital and he's seen by public doctors and he has a genuine come-to-Jesus moment where he's like, oh, shit, we've got to fund these hospitals. And then he he pledges to, to, to fund our public system and then he accidentally walks off a cliff right before the election because it didn't and then we don't have to worry about him being in some way good but that's my hope is that something that was nice a very happens. detailed fantasy Mitch that's a, yeah, that's <laughs> he's thought about it a lot I, I the a lot only thing the uh, only thing that this incident has made me realize is that I know labor has some like real dopes um, you know, I know that, like, I know Anthony we'll Albanese. Get to that later is, in the episode. I know Anthony Albanese is capable of really fucking up a PR attempt. <laughs> however, however, I don't think there is anyone in Labor who could do something like Scott Morrison or Tony Abbott, like the yeah. real pratfall kind of thing. And, and what does that say? Because Scott Morrison is running rings around them. <laughs> yeah. I think that's. I think that's the thing. Is like if Albo did this sort of appearance, he would have done an okay job of welding a thing. Yeah. There'd be two pieces of metal joined together competently <laughs> and we would not talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> but being a good welder doesn't get you the job. Yeah. <laughs> Shall we talk about coal? Yeah. yeah. Good news, everyone. The Araring coal power plant is shutting ahead of schedule. This is the Woo-hoo. biggest coal power plant in Australia, I think. It's in the Hunter Valley, which people keep talking about because there's a lot of coal there. It's a big fucking coal plant and it's shutting by Origin Energy because it's just not worth running anymore. Yeah, and the government <laughs> has been totally blindsided by this. <laughs> it's so funny that like, also some of the press is like, the coal plant's shutting. What are we going to do for electricity? And yeah. Origin's like, like renewables? Yeah. What are we going to do? But like, Because here's yeah, the thing, hey. like, it's important to point out, it's not a shutting for any other reason other than we don't need it and it's yeah. not worth the money. Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. It's not, it's not shutting because it's faulty and we're at risk of, like, no power from the hunter. Oh, shit. It's not closing. It, it's genuinely just closing because they did the cost-benefit analysis yeah. and went, right. oh, it's not profitable to be running energy that way. We're making heaps of money supplying energy not from the coal plant. Yeah, It's not even closing due to pressure from green activists or yeah. in response to climate change or anything. It's just like, nah, wrap it up. 
Job's done. <laughs> Don't he, need it. It's the market. It's the market that the Liberal Party love that want, they want to kiss on the mouth and marry. Mm. It's just market forces. We've we've gotten to the point where the free market is, and we've kept saying this, is more environmentally friendly than the government. And the whole mm. purpose of the government is it, theoretically speaking, is meant to be pushing the free market towards doing the right thing instead of just letting them do anything for money. Doing anything for money is more environmentally friendly <laughs> than the Australian government <laughs> policies. Um, and this plan is due to close in three and a half years, and that is the minimum amount of notice they have to give. If they had their way, they'd close it earlier. And this is already <laughs> yeah. seven years ahead of when they were expecting to close it. Um, so this is the kind of stuff we're dealing with is big coal power plants trying to close as quickly as possible by themselves. It's also like it it, it shed some light on on why they gave the minimum mm-hmm. amount of notice is they it, it specifically it looks like specifically avoided telling Angus <laughs> Taylor, our federal energy minister, that it was happening until the last possible minute. This is uh, from The Guardian. Taylor's admission that he was kept out of the loop on one of the biggest decisions affecting the electricity grid in recent times suggests Origin learned from the experience of others, <laughs> particularly AGL. These lessons include that to be open with the federal government that you plan to shut a coal plant early is to invite pressure to keep it running. <laughs> yeah. This government. <laughs> this is absolutely the way. Every time anyone, there is like a little mention of a coal plant closing down, both arms of government, Liberals and Labor, do everything they can to shore up the coal industry. Angus Taylor goes into like, well, we've got to replace that with gas. We've got to, if, if the free market is not going to build fossil fuel plants, the government is going to have to do it ourselves. That's his policy. Um, you yeah. know, the, that, what was that Collide C plant in Queensland that exploded? Oh, yeah. They're like, we've got to build another coal plant we've to got replace to build it. Elbows out there, thumbs up. We built, we're building another coal plant. Don't worry, guys. Your children will still die in a fire. We got this. <laughs> um, and it's really funny. I just love Angus Taylor being unhappy because he's so pissy about this. Um, he's come out being like, this decision is bitterly disappointing for all energy users, from households to small businesses to heavy industry. Think of the heavy industry. (laughs) (laughs) Who rely on affordable, reliable energy to prosper. And now they're going to have to get that affordable energy from renewables, which is for (laughs) girls. Which is even more affordable. Oh. I, I, I also like that he's just saying this decision is bitterly disappointing for all energy users. He's doing the Scott Morrison, yeah. like, Scott Morrison, you're a fuckhead. And he's like, oh, people have called all Australians a fuckhead today and I don't agree with it. <laughs> Angus Taylor's like, I'm the energy minister and that means yeah. if somebody tells me I'm a fuckhead, they're insulting all energy users. Yeah. No, they're not. It's dis- disappointing for you. Angus Taylor passed a middle-income family in his car once and he knows what they're thinking. <laughs> But, like, also, like, these people rely on affordable, reliable energy. And yeah. the energy company is going, yo, if we keep this coal plant open, it's going to cost us heaps. And <laughs> as you know, we're going to pass that on to consumers. So let's just wrap it up in the interest mm. of everyone, not the environment, though, just our bottom line. Mm. Like, yeah. and even then, Angus Taylor's just like, nip, 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 coal. They're not even like, we'll have to pass that cost onto the consumers. They just sort of mention that they might be less profitable next mm. year. And the federal government's <laughs> like, we'll subsidize you. We'll pay for it. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Like, and you can't undercut renewables on cost. You just can't. And fuck me, they've tried. Um, mm. Because, like, 
Right now, if you're wanting to run um, a coal mine or a gas well or something, you get free or subsidized diesel. You get basically no tax. The government just gives you a shitload of money to do whatever you want. Um, and you still can't make a profit over renewables because renewable. I don't need to explain. <laughs> renewables don't need fuel. <laughs> you install a renewable, power. it's free energy, basically. <laughs> and then you just charge your infrastructure costs. Um, you can't compete with that. And because the government has spent basically their entire, I don't know, several decades talking about coal jobs and how coal is so important and fossil fuels are so important, they've obviously not been able to have any plan for this. Um, <laughs> and, and so any workers or towns that end up in the shit, because this is a town here that is very much relying on like this, this industry, um, there are only about uh, 400 people actually working at the plant, but then, you know, large amounts of people supporting that and, you know, all the families and shops and whatnot revolving around that. They've been left in the shit because for the past couple of decades, everyone's been saying, hey, we need to move away from coal. Let's have a plan to move away from coal. Let's get some some like transition plans in action. Let's subsidize some job training. Let's get some other industries set up so we can support people. The government at every step of the way has said, nah, we're not even going to think about it. Coal is is Scott Morrison. For all of those who are working in that industry in Australia, they'll continue to be working in that industry for decades to come. That was him last year. It's literally insane to me. What are you doing? Like- this is just the same pattern repeating over and over and over again. Um, you know, now it's with fossil fuels, but this has happened with manufacturing in Australia. Yeah. You know, yeah. We've talked about yeah. it in so many episodes. That it's like there are transition plans where we could get people other jobs or like, you know, change the way in which this is done to like, you know, so that it can still be kept in Australia and still be like renewable energy. Um, and it's just like they don't want any of it. Like, you know, when it comes to manufacturing, Australia could be at the forefront of, you know, electric cars, but they didn't have any sort of transition or any plans to make it any different because they didn't want manufacturing in Australia. Mm. Yeah. I mean, with the fossil fuels, it's like the government very clearly has an ideological opposition to using renewables, but there's no good arguments against renewables when you're talking about fossil fuels. And so they have to make up the, but jobs will be lost and working Mm. people will be thrown under the bus if the fossil fuel industry goes away. So we have to keep it as the only argument that they can even conceivably make. And if they had set up a just transition so that people weren't dangling by a thread against a dying career, Mm. they wouldn't have that argument because they'd be like, oh, but what about the jobs? And people would be like, well, you've got the transition plan that you've set up. They're going to be fine. <laughs> You'd have no other choice but to transition to renewables. Exactly. But they can't protect the coal workers because they're the shield that they're using to keep the fossil industry propped up. They're propping it up on a shield. It's a mixed metaphor, but... <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, yeah. cynically, it works in their favour. Like, mm. they, 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 like, these people being out of work and being desperate works really well for a liberal election campaign going, oh, we, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't leave you out next election cycle. They did this time. They totally fucked them. But mm. they can still campaign on, ah, here's the problem. It's the coal plant's not there anymore. But um, look, it, don't worry, though, guys. The state governments overwhelmingly Labor governments are doing their damn best to make sure the coal infrastructure and gas infrastructure stays tip-top and those jobs keep coming in. Fuck yeah. Thanks, Dan Andrews and whoever the emperor of WA is at the moment. Um, as part of this... like it's Mark McGowan, is this it? Story, who gives a 
Fuck McLean. <laughs> He's all the way over there. He'll never do hear Do I this. get a point? Do I get a uh, trivia point? Yeah, you do. Mark it off. Well done. You get a beer at the end of this. Um, so just as like a little like coda to this story, I guess. Like this is good news that this coal plant itself is shutting down. But uh, in Western Australia, the state-owned power provider Synergy has been given $11 million to upgrade its aging Muja D plant to make it more flexible. They're going to put like turbines or shit in there which just as an aside when I read that in my mind Muja D just sounds like the Australian mm. way to say Muja Hardin and I can't yeah. stop thinking about it <laughs> <laughs> bloody stop arming the Muja D we keep oh, creating Ben Muja Robert D. Smith um, and just quickly as well uh, that Western Australia obviously a Labor government in Victoria uh, Dan Andrews Labor government the state government made a secret deal with the owners of the Yulum coal-fired power plant to ensure it stayed online until 2028 Thanks, guys. Appreciate nice. all the hard work the Labor government are doing. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> it's good to know that the Labor Party has the environmental and sort of climate impacts of their projects at heart it's when so they're making good. these kind of decisions. I also don't know how you make an aging coal power plant more flexible, but I imagine it just involves putting solar panels on it. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely Fuck, that isn't good. that, but imagine. The other thing I just wanted to mention as well is like, because th- that those are direct quotes from uh, the an ABC story, links in the show notes, talking about the uh, state governments and what they're doing in WA, mm. Victoria, and also in New South Wales. The, the quote here is, it's a similar story in New South Wales where listed power giant AGL is spending tens of millions of dollars retrofitting its Bayswater power station in the Hunter Valley. And what's mm. interesting about that, though, is that that's a liberal government who I've, we've mentioned before. They're letting the market and companies in the market make their own stupid fucking decisions to spend tens of billions of dollars on it. But in some weird, twisted fucking way, these Labor state governments are doing less to help f- fucking fight climate change. And the other way you can say that is that they are doing more to hasten our climate apocalypse. That's fucking mind-blowing to me. It always <laughs> Great. fucking keep that in mind. Yeah, it's... It's a, a really weird thing, and uh, this is it's a classic- It's a stick I, I like to beat people with on Twitter who are like, Labor's better with climate change. <laughs> Don't do that, Lane. You'll get suspended. <laughs> it's, a tw- it's a Twitter stick. It's okay. Um, <laughs> Labor is in power in Victoria, Western Australia, the Northern Territory, and Queensland, which are the big fossil fuel- Well, Victoria's not the big fossil fuel like extractor, but the rest of them- a bloody mining Adani mines and coal mines yeah. and gas wells as fast as they can. Labor is little hoglets for it. It's mostly for export um, because that's where Australia's major climate impacts are. Um, but uh, the thing is that it's not just that the the federal government and New South Wales state governments have just let the market decide. They fucked with the market so much. Um, yeah. That at this point, the market doesn't know what's going to happen next year. And this is why we're having these weird crash decisions and stuff happening, like, in the worst possible way. Because, you know, five years ago, we had a different plan. Fifteen years ago, we had a different plan. Power companies don't know if they go for renewables tomorrow. Maybe that renewables energy transition fund will be switched into a gas fund next year when Angus Taylor decides to have revenge. Can I make a, a just a extrapolation that is very macro, but mm. I think this is my theory of why um, Australia keeps doing this, both in Labor and Liberal governments, where they're like, mm. um, you know, th- they always do the jobs and growth, but they don't actually want to keep any jobs. This is it all fossil tie- fuel money. I mean, <laughs> there is fossil fuel money, but also this ties into um, 
federal governments as a whole in the last like couple of decades have been trending really, really downward when it comes to infrastructure. Um, mm-hmm. And the reason for that is because the Howard government very clearly and cleverly instigated and instituted this idea that having a surplus is good. Oh, yeah. And having mm. a, like you know a negative balance yeah. sheet is bad because a federal budget is exactly the same as a household budget. It's not <laughs> yeah. obviously like you know when you're when you have a deficit, that means you're spending big on things like infrastructure. Mm. Um, you know that's like uh, that would arguably want to be be one of the most expensive things on a balance sheet of a country. But since Australia really doesn't have a lot of federal spending on infrastructure anymore, or at least not anything that could benefit you know, as a larger public good, like, you know, contributing money to public transport or things like that. Um, The balance sheet is in the the surplus. Oh, we're building toll roads, though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Toll road is great. (laughs) Because they're profitable. It's like building a public transport, but it makes money. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, that just goes into the thing of, like, they're not going to build power stations. Why would they build power stations? That's spending money. Mm. They'll have the line go down. When you think about it, it's kind of ass backwards because the federal government works as hard as they can to, like, not spend any money, uh, just to keep it all as money. But then when you think about your household budget, everyone's like, oh, you can't just have money lying around. You should invest in a house. You should invest (laughs) that in stuff that's going to make money and be useful for the future because if your money's just sitting there, take out a loan, get a mortgage, buy a house. That'll be better in the long term. And yeah. so we're running our household budgets like it's a national budget, and we're running our national budget like it's a household <laughs> budget where you're working on nickels and dimes. Oh, so Scott Morrison held a little ceremony in Parliament to commemorate the national apology to Indigenous people 14 years ago, and uh, <laughs> didn't go great. Uh, uh, yeah. He sort of lifted off his safety protection and looked directly into the light of saying, we apologised, <laughs> oh, maybe now it's time for you to forgive us. Uh. <laughs> the, the worst part is I thought that this that, that line was being taken out of context. I was like, yeah. Yeah. I, I was like, surely he didn't. Surely there's like a larger thing that like that is just being clipped out of. No, it's pretty bad. The, the line in question, of course, is the sort of a pivotal line in his speech is, sorry is not the hardest word to say. The hardest is I forgive you. Fuck! Which is wild. And it's like, it really does feel like it could be taken out of context. And you look at the context and it's three paragraphs being like, wouldn't it be good if you forgave us? I think you'd be really strong and courageous if you forgave us. Forgiveness is really good, hey. Don't listen to your community when they say they don't want to forgive you. Do forgive us. Forgiveness is never earned or deserved. It can never be justified on the simple weighing of hurts and grievance. Such measures will never rationally tip the balance in favour of forgiveness. Forgiveness transcends all of that. It, it, it wasn't any sort of contrition. It was just, ah, uh, it's gross. Yeah. It's just, it's, it, it, I, like, I want to only talk about this for a month because just the blatant, horrible racism and I suppose in a weird way victim blaming and the smugness of it and all of it's just totally fucked that like my the back of my head just fucking exploded when I when I read this but also like I never want to like think or talk about it again because it's just so heinous and hollow and decrepit of a man who like 
It's, it is that trite thing of saying, like, you know, our expectations were low, but even then, like, how does he manage, in amongst all of the fucking buffoonery and the dipshittery, still manage to find something that really does, like, hit a nerve and demonstrate him to be a horrible, evil man? Like, it's it's impressive. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a thing that's just can only come from a place of incredible self-centeredness. Mm. Yeah. That, mm. That's the thing is, yeah, he's just written this without thinking about the, the people who he's, like, theoretically apologising to. I hate to belabor the point, but, like, obviously, you know, everyone sort of beats the drum of Scott Morrison's religion or religious beliefs influencing the way that he behaves as a prime minister or an MP before that. Um, but... It is a very common thing within, like, you know, yeah. a Christian sort of uh, people misusing Christian faith and, you mm. know, the principles mm. of forgiveness to say, you know, part of the process and overemphasizing the process is forgiveness. But the thing is, forgiveness comes after you <laughs> remedy what you've done wrong. Yeah. Yeah. This is some preschool stuff. Yeah. Like, this is a thing that, like, you know, saying sorry means that you don't do it again. And that yeah. you fix what has happened. Yeah, or stop what you are doing. Yes. Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> I think maybe Scott Morrison missed that day in kindergarten. Um, Church. <laughs> because you ask a four-year-old, yeah, if I steal something from you and then I say sorry but I don't give it back, do you have to forgive me? They'll be like, fuck you. <laughs> and yes. they, I haven't even taught them that word. That word. They just <laughs> created that word. It's just fuck you. In that instance, is just felt. It's just an evolutionary yeah. response to that type of injustice. Yeah, the, the actual responses have basically given the the speech the sort of respect mm-hmm. it deserves. So uh, the, the best one was the First Peoples Assembly of Victoria, which was uh, doing the rounds on social media, which was an official statement printed on their letterhead that just said, "Get in the bin." Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, like, I, I've got like these quotes in front of me and just like from the Sydney Morning Herald, he added that forgiveness, quote, does lead to healing. It does open up a new opportunity. That's not for you to talk about or decide, cunt. Mm. Yeah. It does offer up release from the bondage of pain and suffering. Hey, Prime Minister of Australia, do you have a different way that you might offer uh, Indigenous people of Australia the release from bondage? Maybe, like, uh, you know, <laughs> addressing some of the recommendations of the Royal Commission about the sort of deaths in custody. Literal raising bondage. The age of criminality in, in, so that we're not putting children in prison. And then, anyway. But this is like, <laughs> this is like fucking Brittany Higgins' recent speech mm. where she said she didn't want the Prime Minister's sympathy as a father. She wanted mm. him to wield the power of his fucking position to do anything, let yeah. alone something. And it's the exact same fucking thing. His entire modus operandi is to just go, oh, that sucks. Good luck, though. Look at me mm. talking about a thing. If only I was in a position to do something. Mm. And he is the most in a position to do something of fucking <laughs> anyone. God, I hate this. This might be a shock to listeners, but I do not like this man. <laughs> there's, there's nothing but spin there And I think it's not that Scott Morrison Seeks out more sensitive, difficult, offensive things To spin about I think it's just that he happens to be Prime Minister At a time when everything's really bad And we urgently need someone to do something about it And all he can provide is spin And that is just blatantly offensive in every situation And Mitch, you made such a good point About 
um, Scott Morrison being the person to do it. One thing that really annoys me about like opposition governments, this happens in the US, but it also happens here too. Uh, you know, the thing with, that Peter Khalil said once where he's like, you, you've got to wait and see, you might be pleasantly surprised oh, when yeah. anyone asks <laughs> Labor to do anything. Yeah, when, once the Labor Party get into power, you might be pleasantly surprised with what we do. Exactly. Or uh, disappointed. Like, Scott Morrison is at the thing where he is the person in power who can literally institute pretty much anything he wants with a signature you know he can he can do it with a with a liberal majority he can do like a lot of things with policy you know he doesn't get like a president's sort of um captain's choice sort of thing but he still has a lot of control to do it he could do yeah. all the things that could institute actual remedies in place he chooses not to mm. do it so yeah him yeah. doing the whole i forgive you thing with this is just like fuck you fuck you dude Scott Morrison and Peter Dutton are doubling down on their Labour's secretly working for China narrative, uh, even though ASIO has been like, please don't. That's, that's not in our national interest. Uh, <laughs> so, so that sucks. <laughs> They're doing shit like, oh, we saw Albo speaking Chinese or, oh, Albo's pretty cushy with these guys. He seems to... Have some d- diplomacy happening with our most powerful neighbour. <laughs> he took the time to learn a bit of their language as a sign of respect. What a traitor. <laughs> not fucking, not even that though. So what this seems to be is that ASIO had like a secret report that they kept fucking secret for some pretty obvious reasons going, hey, none of them were pre-selected, but we did find that China was attempting to gain influence with some labour People that may get up. So, ju- hey, heads up. It's a thing. And so, Peter Dutton just gets up in fucking parliament and has been like, <laughs> he's working for China. I got on good authority. I don't care about national security, actually. I don't care about these trade embargoes or building good relationships. What I care about is winning an election because I'm a myopic fucking potato. And so, he just blurted it out. And so, the head of ASIO had to go on fucking like 730 report or some shit, which is unprecedented because now we're turning into America with fucking Mueller and the FBI and shit. But We've got this dude just being like, uh, it's really not good to talk about uh, like Australia. Who might national be security. Yeah, if we could if we could ease that up because it's actually affecting both parties. And Labour went, both parties? Oh, I'll tell you fucking what. <laughs> that's that's Labour's response has been mad because it's not just oh. the revelation that like the the, the clarification that, that from ASIO being like, yeah, no, they're targeting tons of potential MPs. That's like they're sort of what they're trying to get influence in Australia. They're not just going to only try with one party because they don't like the other one. That's not particularly tactical. <laughs> we don't like the LNP. So where are we're preferencing Labor with our spies? <laughs> <laughs> so Labor's response though has been to take this sort of criticism from ASIO, being like when when the Liberal Party accuses the Labor Party of working for China, that harms national interests. And they've gone and these done these media appearances, being like. Like, the Liberal Party, by accusing us of working for China, are damaging our national interest, which is exactly what China wants. <laughs> it's a Liberal Party, in doing this, are working for China. And you're like, what the fuck? No, you're working for China. It's within the same sentence. You're, you're pivoting. In, in the last episode, we were literally just like, 
Why is Peter Dutton spreading misinformation on the floor of Parliament about, like, you know, foreign affairs and who's going to go to war with who? And it's just continuing. It's gotten worse. <laughs> which sucks because it makes us have to talk about foreign affairs, which yeah. is not within our remit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that this is Peter Dutton who, when you're like, hey, Peter Dutton, what do you reckon about China? He's like, yeah, I reckon we're going to go to war with them and also they've got spies in the Labor Party. And then you're like, hey, Peter Dutton, did two refugees come over in a fishing boat? Oh, we can't comment on that. That's operational <laughs> matters. Yeah. Oh, God. Can't talk about that at all. That would undermine the security no. of the nation. But who wants to know how many planes we've got? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just want to highlight, I need to go back to fucking Labour and in particular Julian Hill because I we've talked before for a few dozens of episodes, it's prop, propped up, of like, I wonder what, you know, MPs being more on social media would be like. And now we fucking know and it's the worst and please fucking log off. Go away. <laughs> go back to newspapers. Julian Hill, after Scott Morrison had this big blow up in Parliament as he was talking about, oh, Anthony Albanese is working for China and Richard Miles is a Manchurian candidate, blah, blah, blah. Julian Hill jumped on TikTok which is a cursed no, sentence no. to begin with. MP should not be on TikTok. I don't care if ah! the posters or not. Get the fuck off TikTok. You're too Stop old. Stop it. <laughs> Do a dance or fuck off. But so he, he gets on there and within the space of like genuinely 10 seconds, he, he has these two positions where he says that Scott Morrison is doing Beijing's bidding and then without needing to stop for a breath says that it's disgusting that Anthony Albanese is doing fucking China's bidding. Ah, mm -hmm. it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? You just said it's disgusting to yeah. accuse people of that and also accused him of doing that. <laughs> Today, Scott Morrison lost it. Disgusting behaviour. He's now doing Beijing's bidding. Scott Morrison is fallen into the trap of the Chinese Communist Party. He literally called Elbow, the leader of the opposition. He accused him of treason. He called him the Manchurian candidate. That's an old term that means a puppet of a foreign power, an enemy power, disloyal, corrupt. This is this is the same MP who released the video last week that we were real mad about, about the um, religious discrimination bill that included just sort of uh, a, a, oh, yeah. it, like an affront that the motives of question in the first place and an attack on the Greens. That's that's his defense of, of the, the religious discrimination bill vote there. And now he's like just doing a full backflip while making a statement on social media. While like the acrobatics of it is actually impressive. I'm proud of this guy. While he's in the air, he's saying yeah. a different thing on the position he started the backflip on. Like it's, it's, it's amazing. What's crazy is that it's essentially just fucking TikTok brain, but this is how it happens to a fucking <laughs> Labour MP. I, just, I could not believe that, that he goes from... Because it, it's also the focus group phrasing of you know, Scott Morrison is doing Beijing's bidding. Doesn't that sound good? Doesn't that stick in your mind? Beijing's bidding. Doing Beijing's bidding is that it's. Uh. Oh, yeah. What's he doing? Oh, <laughs> he is being uh, horrible. He's doing the bidding of Beijing, obviously. If, if China loved it when one of our government members or parties <laughs> embarrassed themselves, then they wouldn't need spies. Like, <laughs> what? Oh, China's <laughs> loving that we're all arguing with each other over fucking coal power plants. I think China's probably just like, can you guys just keep it down over there? We're trying to <laughs> do important <laughs> national country shit here and this, our coal mine is having a fight. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe we have to bring it up for like a second week in a row that uh. Australia really does have links to like spy agencies in the US 
that are already verified. So it's pretty funny that it, like you know, Labor and Liberal parties are going off back and forth about who's spying on who for China when hmm. they literally have spies within the parties that we know about. But the American government's white, Evie. It's fine. <laughs> China was thinking of putting a spy in the Greens, but decided that was just a wasted spy because they're not going to get into power. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the spy just comes back to China after like six months being like, they've got some good ideas, but it's like... Uh, a lot of politics. A bit disillusioned with democracy in general, really. <laughs> This then, though, as happens in this fucked racist backwards country we're in, just spun off into some really fucked reporting. And, like, specifically from Samantha Maiden, who decided to put her name to this story. And, like, it's fucked. She's not the only journalist that, you know, did it about this story and that has done it in the past. But this was, like, the first big one that was splashed up. But it was this story for news.com.au that had the the damning revelation that footage had been seized of Albo speaking Mandarin in 2018 and just saying some bullshit pablum about we should have strong ties with China. Just such normal statecraft. Right? Like, so exactly Anthony Albanese boring down the line. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. And so, but the, the, what it does is like fucking manifold, but like it gives cover to racists in government. It allows racism to be a part of this fucking election cycle where we're just going to be the fuck. The yellow scare will be a thing again. And we'll be worried about not just China, the state, but they know that it will make people worried about Chinese people, Chinese Australians, Chinese immigrants, holidaymakers, what fucking ever. It's playing on base racist fears of chuds. But the other thing that it does is just let it let's people know very fucking frankly that journalists are not on your side. They're not yeah. reporting news for you or in the national interest. It's a big fucking club. She and you're Samantha not Maiden. Yes. You are not fucking invited. You never fucking were. Don't even have the idea or the pretension that any of this is fucking for you. Samantha Maiden's friend, presumably, Scott fucking Morrison, or at least the party she votes for, presumably, is in trouble. And so she's carrying water for them. She's just continuing this narrative that Anthony Albanese is a threat to the national interest because something, something, something China. Fuck you. That's disgusting. I want to hit the exact wording of the of the headline in this because I think it, it it's fucked. So she's the, the 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 article itself. Anthony Albanese urges closer ties with China in unearthed 2018 video. A video has emerged of Anthony Albanese speaking Mandarin and urging closer ties between Australia and China just 24 hours after a brutal sledge from the PM. The brutal sledge in question is the PM accusing Albo of working for China. You might say uh, a deranged thing to say from an irresponsible lunatic. Mm. Baseless accusation. No, it's a say. brutal sledge. He had to withdraw it for being unparliamentary and it was called out by ASIO as being a, a madness. But Samantha Maiden, no, a successful attack from the PM. And just so happens that years ago he did a boring politician thing that is somehow <laughs> supporting my racist stance. I'm Samantha Maiden. We literally had a prime minister that could speak Mandarin. Am I going crazy right. here? In 2017, when the whole big deal was that Kevin Rudd could speak Mandarin. What the? F yeah. And that was bad, Evie. He was Labour. He wasn't Liberal. I, I just, I need to keep reminding myself, and I think this is something that's really like individual to millennials specifically who had to live through fucking Iraq. Um, 
Just, just the, the idea that we had Sorry. to... Sorry, stolen valor. <laughs> you weren't in Iraq. Yeah, we, we lived through the actual war. We lived through the posting yeah. wars. We had to watch Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. We, everyone knows what you mean, but I that know. is a really funny way of Yes, I know, it. but I don't want to be taken out of context like Albo. <laughs> anyway... It's just such a gaslighty thing, and I know people often misuse the word gaslighting, but I really do think it is a thing where they're trying to make you think that you're you're not as scared about us about the threat of China as you should be, and yeah, it's like they're yeah. we've manifesting. always been at war with Eurasia. Exactly, they're just manifesting yeah. this fear, and like it, it, I don't think it's working <clears throat> on millennials because we've had this done before. The Iraq War was not popular in Australia. There was a overwhelmingly over 90% of people did not want it and they just did Mm. it anyway. And now, like, nothing's actually even happening in terms of China or Russia and they're just manifesting what they want to happen. They think they can really do it by the power of positive thinking. And (laughs) Just the secreting out a declaration of war between China (laughs) and the US. Here's the thing. That's the way it's always been. Everyone was against Vietnam. Everyone Mm. was against Iraq. Everyone was against Afghanistan. They don't need to convince the population because the population actually doesn't have a say. They only have to convince the media and the other power players. It's it's manufacturing consent. Yeah. If we wanted to, like, they're just like, oh, if you don't agree with it, just vote for the party that's against war with China. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. And we are in a situation where, like, you know, the internet and social media makes it very different. Like, you know, social media didn't really exist to the extent it does now when, like, the Iraq war was happening. There was Mm. the internet but, like, that was really, I think, the term point when everyone realizing oh this is a thing that they're definitely all lying about and are willing to go to the carpet to, for everyone the media and the government to lie about for it to happen and so mm. now we can see it happening in real time there is a kurt vonnegut quote um during the vietnam war every respectable artist in this country was against the war it was like a laser beam we were all aimed in the same direction the power of this weapon turns out to be that of a custard pie dropped from a stepladder six feet high (laughs) (laughs) fuck uh nothing new this is just classic red scare stuff but i do want to point out to any chinese agents listening um thanks for listening by the way yeah leave us a review yeah tell your friends about us (laughs) that if you want to influence Australia's politics, you don't do it with spies. And China knows this full well because they already own most of the important shit they want to own in Australia. You just hand someone a suitcase of money and they give you what they want. China owns the port of Darwin. They own Energy Australia. They own 2.5% of our land mass. They own a gajillion other things in Australia. The Liberal Party doesn't need to worry about spies in their party because anyone can just rock up with a suitcase of money and just they'll just hand over the keys. Right. So, I mean, they're, they're worrying about spies because they're like, don't sneak into our club. <laughs> Someone's undercutting us. <laughs> we have a cover charge. <laughs> Grace time for PM. No, none of that. (laughs) Grace time for PM, puffing marijuana, right? (laughs) Breaking news this week. Um, Grace Tame is really fucking cool, as we found out. (laughs) She is cool. Grace Tame has had her own personal Instagram page. She's had a couple of pictures on it. Um, One of the pictures that happened to be public since 2014, I really need to point out it's been public for a very long time, uh, was her- has emerged on her public Instagram 
for a very long time was her cradling a bong. And <gasps> it, it's a weird coincidence that now that she's no longer the uh, Australian of the Year and she's managed to piss off Scott Morrison um, that this picture has now emerged. It was splashed yeah. across the Daily Mail. It was splashed across all the other tabloids too. Um, it is very much a salvo of um, a warning. Yeah. You criticise the Prime Minister, there are people who are going to troll your social media for old shit that happened and yep. put it up online and be like, look, you're bad, hey, yep. terrible. Yeah, it's the old practice of, like, you know, anyone who has any sort of contact with politics is, you know, fairly au fait with the, the concept of shit-sheeting, which is basically just trying to background someone to find embarrassing things, like, you know, if they're going mm. up for either, you know, either, either in an activist space or political candidacy or anything like that. Grace Tame is literally just a civilian now. Yeah, I mean, she's a, she's a high-profile civilian. Who's yes. She's got opinions. Yeah. Uh, she's a high-profile civilian who has uh, pissed off the Prime Minister and this is what's happened. Now, I have a lot of sort of opinions about this and clearly everyone did. For the most overwhelming opinion that I seem to have seen, though, like I don't think it's just my bubble. I think by and large everyone views this as a shit move. Like yeah. everyone's just like, come on, really? This is yeah. what you're going to do? Yeah, they may as well have showed her like with a pint having a nice time <laughs> and being like, whoa. By and large, like even like someone who's not politically engaged is like, damn, that seems like a really shitty thing to do to someone who has like not had any sort of, you know, um, reason to lock horns with the prime minister other than being disrespected as a victim of child abuse who isn't being listened to. Um mm. You know, and when it happened, you know, um, pretty much everyone went into bat for her. Um, and a couple of days ago, she um, posted like an open letter tweet thread about how the same media that championed her while she was Australian of the Year also ran these bullshit stories. So that means mm. that they never listened. They, they never actually listened to what she had to say. They listened and published those things only so far as, okay, well, she's Australian of the Year, so we'll publish them. But at the minute that stopped, they were willing to just absolutely throw her to the dogs. So I just want to quote her specifically um, in this thread. So she says, At every point on the national stage, I might add, I've been completely transparent about all the demons I battled in the aftermath of child sexual abuse, drug addiction, self-harm, anorexia and PTSD, amongst others. You just clearly haven't been listening. It can be mm. ugly. It can look like drugs, like self-harm, skipping school, getting impulsive tattoos and all kinds of other unconscious, self-destructive, maladaptive coping mechanisms. Fantastic. Mm. Like, if, if just very very succinctly putting a point on how fucked it is to do this to someone who has been very open about the fact that they have suffered for many years and wants their position as a victim to help others so it doesn't happen again. It's, it's just- also not just that she's, uh, you know, been in a position of suffering and now they're just sort of like making light of that, but mm -hmm. it's the fact that she's been open about the fact that she was addicted to drugs. Yeah. So they're like- Oh, it turns out that Grace Tame was a drug user. And she's like, yeah, yeah. I've, <laughs> I've talked about that. Yeah. How do you think she got Australian of the Year? It's not for being like, I'm safe on the roads. It's for being like, I've struggled with shit. She's yeah. not doing a job where she's, uh, a, say, a politician who's drunk in question time or something <laughs> like that, which obviously would never happen. She is a civilian with opinions. I, I just think as well, like something that she hits on in that thread, uh, big, the big open letter, 
is that like the media companies doing this are disgustingly playing mm. into the fact that victims are shamed for not only what happened to them, but their behavior afterwards, which then stops them from getting the proper treatment, reporting what happened to them, and it just lays unnecessary shame on them and unwarranted blame. And I know that not just because of this fucking tweet thread, but because she's been talking about that for a fucking year Mm. now as Australian of the Year. (laughs) And as soon as she's out of that, they just pivot to, yes, but also drug users are bad and she hurt our boy Scott, so fuck you. And they they always fucking do this. They did this to Duncan after he dared question the social security net on Q&A that time. You might remember that he had fucking front page photos of him being fucking bullied by the press for fucking ever. Um, they the media will always just try to remind everyone else that not only are you not invited to the club, but if you dare question the status quo, if you dare try to point out without a smile that things are fucked and the people that could fix it aren't fixing it, then they will go to bat for the system and the politicians, not mm. you, ever. Also, in a similar vein, this happened to Rosie Batty. Her son died through domestic oh. violence. And, you know, the minute she was not Australian of the Year, just an absolute avalanche of abuse. Like, you know, men's groups and, you know, Liberal MPs supporting that, just attacking her constantly. Mark fucking Latham. Like, just... Gross. Mm. I think there's also a thing in the media, not just of, like, sending a signal as, like, we're, you know, an arm of the state and we're going to make sure that you don't dissent and if you you do publicly, we're going to make your life hell. And I think there's also a factor of just, like, I'm going to be maybe a little bit judgy, but I think that the people writing these articles are like bad people at their core who are just like, (laughs) check it out. There's somebody who I reckon we could get away with attacking. Mm. Let's run some goss for fun. Yep. Like, it's not even like trying to do an outcome that makes Grace Tame shut up. It's just like, oh, nice. We can accuse somebody of doing drugs. We can just fuck with someone in a way that'll get some clicks, get some, you know, engagement, we we don't care about any kind of human costs. We just want to run this fucked little story because we can. She's criticised the government, so we're not going to cop any like official sanctions for it. We're we're targeting a, a, a an allowed target, so yeah. let's go. And once there's a pylon, there's no punishment for other people piling on. Exactly. Just, like as someone who has worked in media, like it's you're you're one hundred percent right in that it's both. In that, like, Mm-mm. these these lower-rung journalists, uh, the ones that are starting and coming through, the ones that are, have more senior positions, they know what type of story they should make. And if you stay in those industries and those companies for long enough, you either enjoyed it from the start or you come to enjoy it later on, for sure. And then on top of that, they do have sub-editors and editors and the, the the people, the bureaucrats high above them, who are also making sure that they have their protect the system filter on. And yeah. so that like, yeah, no one like no one's getting calls every day from Rupert Murdoch being like, ah, now do this exact thing all the time. They those calls sometimes do happen, but they don't need to happen. Everyone in the system fucking mm. knows. They went into it willingly or they found out how the system works with Jonos and they decided to fucking stay there. And then yeah, they just go, fuck yeah, this'll be this'll be good. Look at this hit piece I can do. And then the editors go, yeah, sick. That is exactly what we should be doing. Yeah, that'll yeah. carry some favor. Let's do it. People who weren't like that got fired by Rupert Murdoch. <laughs> there was 
also a sort of second factor to this whole Grace Tame doing drugs story, which was the response to the response, where a lot of people said, this is fine, guys. What the fuck are we doing yeah. publishing somebody who's just using marijuana? There's like, uh, you know, uh, 30 th- 36% of Australians in their lifetime have used cannabis. 41 apparently present uh, support legalizing the drug for personal use. There's multiple like medicinal marijuana campaigns going on. It, it, it's a drug that has a fair bit of popular acceptance and so a lot of people were just like yeah this is okay yeah the Overton window has changed quite a lot but a lot of people who were saying it was okay were people who were in positions to advance that legislation to advance the sort of like fight against the drug war i got a bit circular there but the, the, you know the, the the people like dave sharma who <laughs> who's a liberal mp who said i'm sure there's a photo of me like that i don't think this stuff is remotely in the public interest he is consistently voting for drug testing welfare recipients mm. what's that is it okay or not dave sharma you know he thinks it's okay but he just don't think poor people should do it uh, the thing with dave sharma he recently also crossed the floor to um, not support the religious discrimination bill. I think it bears some thought about why Dave Sharma is sort of judging the public sphere in this way and acting in a much more progressive stance. Could it be that he might be about to lose his seat in the next federal election? (laughs) Yes. Who could possibly say? Me. Yes, it is. (laughs) Just like fucking Dutton on China. These cunts do not care about anything except their next fucking election. It's disgusting. It's so obvious. In a way, it's probably good that Dave Sharma is sort of uh, testing the waters of his electorate and going, hmm, maybe I should actually move over in the opposite direction and start doing stuff that's progressive. But also, let's be honest, it's quite cynical. If you, if there is a photo of you like yeah. that, let's see the receipts, Dave Sharma. Let's see you with the bong. Do you, was it was a Coke bottle bong? <laughs> like, come on. Dave Sharma you. post bong. Let's judge your yeah. bong. Okay. So, Matilda Bosley also made a good point. Matilda's from The Guardian. She said, just a reminder that 69.7K people were arrested in relation to weed possession in 2019 to 2020. If politicians are coming on Twitter to confirm or imply that they smoked when they were young, they better be fighting hard to get Australians in prison for the very same thing out. And might I also add to expunge all convictions on that front mm, too. Yeah, it must be really hard being a politician who has to figure out what they're meant to believe and be like, ah, oh, do people like drugs now or not? What are my values meant to be? It's really yeah. hard. Um, it's almost like we should elect politicians who already have values. <laughs> the, the thing is, they all know that people like drugs. It's an open secret that cocaine use in, and alcohol abuse, absolutely, is rampant within Parliament. Yeah. Mm. Like, these are not MPs who genuinely hold this stance, right? These, these are like these are MPs who every anti I'm just going to say every anti drug targeting all the same brush. Who cares? Every anti drug MP is a full hypocrite, and they use drugs themselves. They just do. There's, yeah, the, the alcoholism is the, the, just a mad one. This just, it's not, it's beyond even an open. No, it's still an open secret. You can't say half of our MPs are alcoholics, but they, they fucking are. Everybody knows it. That's, that's, it's an open secret. I've said it. Like, yeah. <laughs> or, or certain XMPs who may have broken furniture in their offices. Like, there, there are definitely MPs who oh, have had substance abuse problems. Evie. There are definitely fucking PMs. No, fucking <laughs> whomst amongst us hasn't broken a marble table during a completely sober party. Come on now. <laughs> Come on, guys. I'm going to turn again to the book of Twitter um, <laughs> where there's a great line from at Cash Bones 
who says, I'm an Australian. That means in my head I have a list of rules that are fine for me to break and a list of rules that if other people break, they should be ultra murdered for it. (laughs) That's basically There is some overlap in the two lists. (laughs) Um, I just love that all of the power of the media went out there being like, we've got to get dirt on, Grace Tame, find (laughs) some photos of her doing drugs, and this is the best they could do. (laughs) This photo looks like a real nice time, and the first instinct I had on seeing this photo was, Oh, that looks nice. Yeah. They're all having a <laughs> good really time. Chill. They're sitting on a couch. Right. It's not even like a, a druggy <laughs> photo of Christ Tape. She's like on the couch. She's got a smile on her face. She's like, she's just having a nice afternoon. Yeah. She's it's quite a well-framed like, photo. Stumbling with the dopey eyes. She's just like, oh, how's it, how's it going? I'm putting this. I mean, she put it on her own Instagram. Yeah. It's a nice photo. <laughs> As a woman with an Instagram, you only put things where you feel like you look nice in it. And she looked really right. nice with a bomb. <laughs> <laughs> you got a plan for your dirt be like when people are digging up dirt on me this is the photo i want (laughs) yes put this in my eulogy um (laughs) i have a real great photo with 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 redacted materials if anyone use that for my uh, eulogy there's Um, a photo on my social media that is of me just like at a family birthday like lunch where i look stoned as hell my (laughs) eyes are red i'm like clearly mid chuckle at some joke that the rest of the people in the photo are not chuckling at (laughs) sort of like looking off off screen i i this photo is so like it's such an affront to justice in my heart because i'm not at all stoned in that photo (laughs) (laughs) tom mclean podcaster smoking a huge doobie while with his i wasn't lunch with my mom. I don't know why I look stoned in that photo. Look, I think this neatly ties into my last point, which is, okay, before she made her open letter, there was a lot of pontificating about, like, reasons for why she might have been smoking that bong. Sometimes it's just fine to smoke a bong. It doesn't have to have a reason about it. Yeah, like... It's illegal. Yes. You're not allowed. (laughs) (laughs) There's not a moral quandary applied to taking drugs sometimes you can just take drugs and have a good time mm. like I, I think the the overton window is moving quite a bit on that front especially with like sort of acceptance yeah. of you know marijuana use and decriminalization and that sort of thing people are realizing i think as a whole that the war on drugs is not working and also, the world is kind of bad in a lot of ways, and maybe mm. if you would rather just, you know, have a joint just to feel better, it's probably not a bad idea, but <laughs> you know what? It's fine. As long as you're okay with the consequences. <laughs> I think that's just a larger message. Just let Grace Tame smoke a bong if she wants. <laughs> this week if you were really fucked off with scott morrison's non-apology how about you pay the rent i'm gonna do that this week this it's mm-hmm. pay the rent.net.au and um give money you can set up a recurring payment as well yeah do that's it. what i have like there's no real there, i mean there are some real excuses to not do it if you can't do it no judgment but if you can you should and then there is judgment <laughs> yeah if you've got a bit of bit of spare money uh some amount of that was built on the backs of stolen land Thanks for listening to another episode of Not Good Enough. As I say every goddamn week, share us around. I'm seeing those numbers. Some of you aren't doing any sharing. <laughs> Some of you are, though. We're unhappy with our numbers. <laughs> Listen, I want, oh, I want every week our downloads to increase threefold. You need to tell... Yep. 
two. Pe- it, there's no excuse not to. From this outro onward, you've got KPIs, listener. No, until you checking what. in. We're going to be doing reports. <laughs> We're going to be having one-on-ones. You're going to come into the office once offices are open again. No, if you share us around, thank you very much. We appreciate it. If you just listen to us and vibe, that is more than enough for me. I really fucking appreciate anyone who listens that I don't know personally. That makes me feel warm and fuzzy. If you want to get in touch, though, we love hearing from you. Corrections, if we get things wrong. Uh, if you ask for clarifications, we'll try to give them. If you have questions for us, all that shit is great. We're on the socials at NotGoodPod, and our email address is NotGoodPod at ProtonMail.com. And if you have any concerns about hitting your targets, just hit us up. We can, I'm sure we can find some time uh, for a quick Zoom. And, uh, you know, no pressure, obviously, nothing <laughs> scary. <laughs> but, uh, you know, well, the company does care about this it. This sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Not Good Enough was recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Uh, We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded.